Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune for this week's edition, October the 7th, 2017. This very week, ladies and gentlemen, Egypt was busted buying a load of weapons from North Korea. Let's just swallow that for a minute. Spain is in complete upheaval. No one is talking about it. We've had a massive event in Vegas. Take note, this is a direct quote from the present POTUS. And we ask God to help see you through this very dark period. Ladies and gentlemen, this very week, a doomsday preacher was nailed at Wimbledon Station, and he caused quite a panic. Queensland, this week, broke a 64-year record, massive flooding, just randomly and happenstance. Of course, I take it that those in Montana are completely reeling after over a million acres have been burned. Then they turn around and get quite a hammering, some places up to 30 inches of snow. Ladies and gentlemen, in Hyperdatus week they had a record 83 millimeters of snow it's hard for Americans to even calculate that in the midst of all this we've expelled 15 Cuban diplomats this very week the Khomeini come out publicly and stated that America and Israel seek to create a new Israel. You think he got that idea because we just opened a brand spanking new U.S. military base inside the state of Israel? Ladies and gentlemen, regardless of what you do and what you hope is to come, those things have already been 
laid down by the Lord thy God thousands of years ago. The only thing we're presently waiting on is for somebody to pull the trigger on that start gun. And when it happens, are you going to take a deep breath just like the steeds do? Don't you love that intermittent moment of silence before the rush? Ah, yes. The deep breath before the plunge. Why are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie?
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It is a blessing and an honor to be with you. I am really happy to be here tonight, really excited about tonight's broadcast. Well, Clinton, how has your week fared, and what's been catching your eye in the news this week? You know, that's a, a loaded question. It's it's where to even begin. Um, I mean, just your, your introduction just kind of demonstrated the vastness of everything that's happening across the globe, and, and you just barely touched the tip of everything that's happening. It's, it's, it's awe-inspiring to just see the extent of everything developing and, and how people are responding and how people are seeing it and how countries are responding and how they're seeing it, and, and it's just fascinating absolutely fascinating it it really is it really got my goat this week when the uh, POTUS and chief come out and said that we had entered a dark period what an understatement well brian how have you been doing this week buddy and what's been catching your eye in the news this week Brian, do we got you? Uh, yeah, I just got back to the computer here. Uh, well, let me re-ask the question. Uh, how's your week uh, progressed, and what's been catching your eye in the news this week? Uh, it's progressed about as usual, and it's been catching my eye in the news this week. Some rather odd odds and ends I caught how you uh, brought up the infamous, uh, well, he essentially stated there was a storm brewing. And nobody is completely aware of what he's talking about. It could be Iran, North Korea. At this stage of the game, who knows? He might be pulling a Nixon, for all we know, trying to keep everybody uh, alarmed at all times that we have a crazy man at the helm. The unfortunate issue being it's a little hard to say we don't have a crazy man at the helm, so. You're exactly correct. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, you might want to look into what Brian just referenced with Nixon. Because that was to catch the country completely off guard. Everything that was going on behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, was absolutely off the charts. And then, bam, the American people was in a situation, well, quite frankly, they'd never been in before. Ah, yes. There is a coming storm. No mistakes about that. Well, Clinton, uh, jump right in the saddle, and uh, let's do your news diatribe, bud. You know, I, I guess I'll kind of just add on uh, what you guys just talked about, uh, the, the fact that the, the president of the United States, and, and if anyone that hasn't seen when he came out and said that we are witnessing the calm of the storm, I recommend you find that news coverage. Because basically, you know, it had him with all the military leaders in, in the United States with their wives, they you know, were just having a dinner, about ready to go into dinner, one of the others, and he had this large smile on his face, like this smirk on his face, 
and basically announced to the press that this is the calm before the storm. And the, the press was like, well, what do you mean by that? And, and he, is, he was basically like, well, I'm standing here with all the great military leaders of the United States. Um, this is the calm before the coming storm. You guys will find out soon enough. If you read between the lines, he's standing with his military leaders talking about the calm before storm when we have issues with North Korea, when we have issues with Iran, when we have issues with Syria, when we have issues all across the globe, even in Spain there's issues, in Mexico, Venezuela, you name it, we have issues. And, and so you take that news and then you take all this rhetoric going on about, you know, Rex Tillerman, uh, Tillerson uh, with the, uh, you know, the Secretary of State of the United States and how he um, thinks Donald Trump is an, a moron, I think is the word that was used. Um, and, uh, you know, how all this rhetoric is coming out about the about him maybe losing his job or retire or resigning or whatever it may be. But the fact of the matter is Rex Tillerson has been around the world behind the scenes trying to work out any kind of diplomacy that we can as the United States versus our enemies. He was recently in, in Korea. I, I can't remember if it was north or south, but he was there talking on behalf of the United States to try to avert war. We know that Rex Tillerson has been in Europe. We, he's been in the Middle East. He's been everywhere trying to avert crisis. And his job is in jeopardy, according to the mainstream press. According to him, no. You know, there, there's no issues with him. He's 100% behind Donald Trump, and there's no, no problems whatsoever. But with those two comments together, it, it kind of makes you think, kind of makes you wonder, okay, what is truly going on? I mean, we know that North Korea has come out saying, well, they plan on doing another, new, uh, another missile test which is no big deal. You know, they, they do that every week, it seems like. We always are talking about North Korea doing a missile test. The only difference is this one that they plan on doing is of a missile that can actually hit the United States. So how do we as the United States approach this? Well, according to Donald Trump, he tweeted to Rex Tillerson, you're wasting your time, you're wasting your breath, the decision's already been made. Just come home. <laughs> so, so if you can't read between the lines of what the true agenda is, then maybe you need to watch the news. <laughs> I mean, because I think most everyone at this point knows that we are headed towards war, that we are headed towards something that none of us want to see. Because regardless if we go to war with North Korea, we go to war with Iran, we go to war with Syria because Israel is actually calling for the United States to have increased involvement in Syria and, or Ukraine. Any of those four fronts, all are disastrous. Regardless of, well, the United States can win, we can nuke them, we can make them a glass parking lot, everything that people are saying. Do you realize what you are truly saying? That you condone that you accept the fact that the United States can kill millions of people and you're okay with this because we can, because it's okay to destroy the entire country in North Korea, not just the leader, which 
he came out recently this week as well, saying that the United States actually tried to switch from any standpoint. Would you believe the the leader of North Korea? Well, he's you know he's always said, well, the reason I'm building nukes is because the United States wants to kill me and kill my people. And uh, I don't trust the United States because the last two leaders in the world who have tried to do anything like what he's doing have been named as a rogue state who have tried to create nuclear weapons or tried to get off the U.S. dollar. The leader of those countries were killed, Saddam Hussein in Iraq and Gaddafi in Libya. Both done. So the basis of North Korea saying, well, we don't necessarily trust the United States, you kind of can understand their point of view. You kind of can see what they're talking about. And the fact that they come out saying that the United States actually is possibly contemplating an assassination attempt against their leader or has tried to do so, or that South Korea is trying to do so, are those claims valid? Well, history kind of proves truth. That's a possibility. The fact that the President of the United States told the Secretary of State of the United States, come home from Korea and stop talking to them because the, the decision has already been made and this is the calm before the storm, you connect the dots. So we are headed into a very, very the, – the lack of term I can say is a brave new world. Anyone that's ever read that book – understands what that means. And and the reason I'm kind of segueing into that is is I, I you know, every once in a while you come across something that triggers you and, and Stephen Colbert on the, the Today Show triggered me. And he was talking about the fact that these genetic testing where people can actually send their, you know, swab their cheek or whatever it may be or, you know, take a blood sample or whatever it is and send it in and they can tell you you know, you're 5% Cherokee and 10% Venezuelan or whatever they want to tell you, you know, that is becoming a booming industry. That is becoming something that a lot of people want to do. I mean, there there was even reports that white supremacists were upset because they did this genetic testing and found out that they had African descent, (laughs) which kind of is funny because, well, it kind of throws your whole claim of being a white supremacist out the window when you find out that you have African descent in your, in your heritage, which that's the funny side about it. That is the, the humorous side of it. The non-humorous side of it is, well, when you do this genetic testing, that data, you are giving that company the ability to sell your genetic data to whoever they want to. How important is that? How important is your genetic makeup, your genetic data to countries of the world, corporations of the world, people that are making products, people that are making healthcare, people that are making cures for cancer, whatever it may be. How important is that data? That data is priceless. And right now we have individuals giving it away because they are curious of what they're made of. This is this is what's going on. Now, you know, when you think about it, it would only take a little bit of thought to, to think, okay, well, what's the healthcare applications to this? If you sit there and you truly are going to test for genetic 
disorders, genetic makeup, find out who your ancestors are, whatever it may be, what are the healthcare applications to this? Well, I mean, there's numerous reports. I mean, you, you can, uh, I know health, uh, men's health magazine, women's health magazine, um, the uh, corporate wellness magazine. Um, we have uh, HHN magazine, uh, consumer reports, um, New York times, all of these are reporting on this genetic testing, all proponents of it saying, you know, it's a good thing saying that, you know, Hey, you can get tested for say breast cancer, find out that your family has a genetic disorder that causes breast cancer. And there are women who are finding this out early and choosing to remove their breast for the fact they don't have to have breast cancer. I mean, the, the healthcare implications of this are amazing. But then when you take the healthcare implications under the new healthcare bills that Congress has been trying to push through all of 2017, and what kind of issues do you have? Well, if they have their way, which we know they have all of 2018 to have their way. So technically they're going to make it happen because, well, their jobs are on the line if they don't. So they're going to make it happen. So healthcare applications, genetic testing to find out you have pre, you know, exposure to genetic makeup that's going to cause cancer or that you're related to Cleopatra or whatever they want to tell you, those are going to become a standard within the world. Those are something that is going to be um, very highly sought after because, well, when you're going to price healthcare based off of either pre-existing conditions or based off of your health, and your price is going to depend on how healthy you are at this moment in time, that is a tool that they are going to use. That is a tool that they're going to be able to say, hey, you are predisposed to having breast cancer. So because you're predisposed to having breast cancer because your genetic makeup, you're going to pay a higher premium. Makes sense. From a business standpoint, that makes sense. It's a higher risk from the business to insure someone that is possibly going to have breast cancer. From a, you know, a, a privacy standpoint, that is the decision that we as Americans, we as human beings, we as Christians are going to have to decide. Does my privacy, does that trump what is going on with this genetic testing? What is possibly going on with healthcare? What is going to be added into it? We know that we have the Real ID Act that is being implemented in the beginning of 2018. To the point that if your state is not compliant, you will not be able to fly out of that state unless you have a passport because your ID is not compliant. They're also trying to push through legislation or push through rules that you cannot get on a military basis unless you have the real ID, which is basically a glamorized national ID card, which has biometrics on it. Here in the state of Colorado, they fingerprint you and they scan your face. That is what they do to get the Real ID Act, to get the Real ID, to get your driver's license. That is what they do. Most states are compliant. This is 
the direction that we are headed. We are headed to, I mean, if you look at the new iPhone, that everyone's like, wow, you know, this new iPhone's amazing, that you have to, you know, have the new phone to get the new software because the hardware doesn't work, whatever the technicalities are. The, the matter of the fact is your face is what unlocks this phone. It scans your face, and only your face will unlock the phone. So, so if someone steals your phone, they can't unlock it because they don't have your face. That is where things are headed. Like it or not, wake up, look at the facts. That is where things are headed. So either you go into this brave new world where – you get your genetic testing, and they determine if you are of a supreme, uh, you know, in, in, in the use of dogs, basically a, a supreme breed, or if you're a, you know, inferior breed. That is what this is kind of telling people. So we are looking into progressing in that direction. Now, we have weird other things that are happening. Not only do we have the house, you know, that is trying to pass, you know, healthcare, uh, trying to pass a budget, trying to pass everything else. There's a program called CHIP. And, and CHIP is, is designed to basically provide healthcare for children, you know, low-income children that need healthcare because children are always sick, always going to the doctor. They always have something going on, so they need health care. Well, Congress just decided to let this program lapse. Just They never even put in anything to try to extend it. Nothing. They didn't even try. Like, basically, their stance was, children, we don't care. That was their stance. So they let it lapse. So the end of September, which we're in October, the CHIP program expires not renewed, health care for 9 million children is not going to be renewed. But in the same breath, on the opposite side of their mouth, they were glad to put in and pass an abortion bill to make it so that way people cannot have abortions. So you're not going to provide health care for children, but you're not going to allow people to have abortions so they don't have children. From an economic standpoint, you're not going to pay people a wage to where they can buy a house or they can buy food or they can provide for their family. You're not going to provide health care and contraceptives so they don't have children, but you're not going to let them to have an abortion so they don't have children. It doesn't make logical sense. The only thing that I can think of is I go back to a book I read many, many years ago, and, and the, the premise of the theory was that basically the increase and the decrease of economies are based on population. That the whole premise of it is if you have an increase in population, the economy goes up. If you have a decrease in population, the economy goes down. If you look at what's happening in Japan right now, Japan has a major, major issue with a large population being over 90 years old. They have a lot of old people that are retired, that are not contributing to society, they're not contributing to the economy, they're just living. And then they don't have any young people to do any work, so there's a massive worker shortage in Japan right now because everyone's old and no one's dying because everyone lives to be over 90 years old. That is, that is what is happening in, in Japan right now. These actions 
from the United States seems like they want to increase babies. They want to increase people having babies. They want to increase population for the sheer fact that, well, if you increase population, you have more people that produce things, so you have more people that make things, so you have more money flowing, so you increase the economy. That's the premise of the idea. That's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, why would you do every action in place to increase the population at a time when the world is completely overpopulated? <clears throat> doesn't make any sense. does not make any sense whatsoever to keep increasing our presence on this world. None. But that is what we are doing. That is what we are, are going after. And then... You, I don't even know how to connect these dots. There's just numerous different things that, that the United States has been doing that just the, – the only thing I can think of is, is the campaign promise that Donald Trump put in place that he was going to completely roll back everything that, that President Obama did. That's the only thing I can think of as to why we're going about rolling back everything. I mean – in the country of the United States, the land of the free, the home of the brave, we pride ourselves on allowing freedom for everyone. Black, white, brown, yellow, red, doesn't matter. You are free in the United States or have the illusion of being free. But then what do you do when a country that has built its entire foundation on being free, being the home of the brave, then starts taking away liberties, taking away rights that that same country granted to people. What, what are the people of that society supposed to think? If, if women were given the rights to vote, and then hmm, 10 years later, maybe five years later, whatever that might be, all of a sudden, a new president's elected and is like, you know what? We really don't think women should vote. You know, so let's just kind of say, oops, we're going to take that, 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 you know, that rule or that law or that right away from women because, well, we, we had a second thought. We're not going to allow that. How would people react? They would freak out. They would be like, well, this is wrong. You can't give rights to someone. And then take them away. But that is what we as a country are doing. And you can take a stance. And, and th this is a very difficult subject to talk about. For the sheer fact that my stance is if you commit one sin, you're guilty of them all. That's what scripture says. If you are a liar, you're guilty of every sin. So for me, I am not able to judge someone else on their sin. That is a conversation they're going to have to have with God. Just like I'm going to have to have that conversation with God about everything I've done wrong in my life. So I cannot judge someone else for what they have done. In the country of the United States, we are taking away rights. And Jeff Sessions just recently did this. When he sat there and came out, and revoked the prohibition of sexual discrimination against people that are transgender. If you work in the United States, 
man, woman, whatever kind of sexual orientation you want to describe yourself as, at this point, you have the ability to be who you want to be. You, you can debate that however you want to, but that is the law of the land. That was revoked. So now, instead of being protected to be whoever you want to be, an employer can say, no, I don't want you to be employed here because of who you are, because of how you look, because of how you act. I don't want you to be employed here, and that's legal. In what universe is that okay? The fact that you can openly discriminate against anyone doesn't matter. You start with the low-lying fruit. That's how societies have always done. They start with the easy cases, ones that society can get behind and go, you know what, I can kind of see how someone maybe doesn't want someone to work for them because that's how they look. You, you get people on board for that, and then you start to get into the deeper areas. You start to take out more and more people and take away rights from those people. Well, Typically, that's how it happens, but it happens in a slow process that takes a little bit of time to, to happen. No, we're in a, a brave new world that things happen all in a week. I mean, the, the, the United States just voted against a U.N. resolution. So the United Nations had a resolution that they were saying, hey, everyone in the world, we should get behind this and make sure that everyone in the world doesn't do this. You know, and, and the resolution seemed pretty straightforward. They basically said that um, the resolution should not provide the death penalty. So people shouldn't die for apostasy, blasphemy, adultery, and same-sex relations. The UN says you shouldn't kill people just because they're gay, just because they commit adultery, just because they were blasphemous, whatever it may be. And the United States, of course, said we're not going to sign this. So they actually went along with countries like Saudi Arabia, Iraq, China, to endorse the death penalty for those sins, to take that judgment as a country and say it's okay to enforce the death penalty for those sins. I mean, from a, a religious standpoint, from a Christian standpoint, Yes, you can have any difficult stance you want. You can say you do not support gay rights, that you know, marriage is between a man and a woman. You can take that stance, and you can back it from Scripture. But in the same token, you can take the stance of compassion and back it with Scripture as well. You can take the stance that if you were guilty of one sin, you're guilty of them all, and that's in Scripture as well. So, so this is where this gray area is dividing people on a massive level. This is where the United States is not taking a stance on freedom or the rights of people and to allow everyone the ability to prosper and grow in the country that they love how they choose to. That is what has made America great. That is what has made our society great is that ability. We no longer stand for that. You can pretend all you want, but the United States does not stand for that anymore. If you are white, if you are rich, and you are prosperous, and you come from a great family, you're set. You're awesome. You're doing great. If you don't come from that pedigree, you may have some issues. And that is why we're having issues 
from a media standpoint, from a social standpoint of what happened in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas, we have a 65-year-old white male who is from a wealthy who is from a wealthy family who is wealthy himself. He owns two jets. He owns numerous rental properties. He, he just won, I, I heard reports of $250,000 at the casino. And this individual decided to kill 50 people and injure 500 in a concert in Las Vegas. This doesn't fit the mold. The, the, what we have been told as Americans is, well, the terrorists are coming from the Middle East. They're brown. Uh, they, they're all Muslims. That they just—they all hate America. They, you know, they just want want our freedom. You know, they hate our freedom. That is what—that's what the problem is. That's what we have been taught. That's what we have been preached to. But the shooting in Las Vegas doesn't fit those molds. And the fact that ISIS then came out directly after the shooting in Las Vegas and said. No, no, this is our guy. We called for this back in May. We said this is one of the objectives we were going to do. This is our guy. He did it. Claim responsibility. And on top of that, we are going to give him a new name. We are going to give him a name that is only reserved for the top soldiers within ISIS. To a white male American citizen. That's big. That's big. And what have we as Americans, what have we as the media said? Uh, ISIS obviously didn't do this. There's no way they would do this. They're only claiming responsibility because, well, because it's a great attack. And, of course, they would want to take responsibility for this. Well, in the past, ISIS has actually had the opportunity to take attacks that have happened, say, in London or taken attacks that have happened in, in Europe and taken responsibility for those attacks, but they did not. Because they said, no, we haven't done these attacks. We are not going to take responsibility for these attacks because we didn't do them. And everyone's like, well, but seriously, it fits your, your MO. You can easily take responsibility for this attack. And ISIS never did. But for the shooting in Vegas, right away, they said they're in. They said this is their guy. And they even gave him the highest honor that they could give, which is a new name. And we bypassed that. Because it does not fit our mold. A rich, white, American, ISIS, Muslim terrorist does not fit our mold. But it does. The world that we are in, we know that the molds are broken. We know that we are being divided in a way that we as people have never been divided. We are having, we're being divided racially. We're being divided religious. We're being divided socially. We're being divided monetarily. We're being divided by nationalism. We're being divided by, you know, natural disasters. We're being divided by anything you can think of. Independence votes. That is, that is what is happening. We're being divided on a massive scale. Because we have an enemy that we cannot pinpoint. This war on terror, we cannot pinpoint an exact enemy. You can say it's ISIS. Well, then what are these reports that are coming out that the United States is actually backing ISIS in Syria? Okay, so we can't necessarily say ISIS is the bad guy. Well, how about Al-Qaeda? Well, they're kind of tied together. Well, how about Russia? Well, you know, 
we can't really say Russia's a bad guy because, well, everyone in the world is making deals with Putin, making deals with Russia. Okay, so they're not the bad guy. Uh, how about China? Well, everyone in the world is making deals with China. Everyone is moving towards their currency. Everyone is going into belt and one belt, one road. Okay, so we can't really blame China. How about Iran? Well, Iran hasn't done anything wrong. They are abiding by the nuclear deal. They are not making nuclear weapons according to the inspectors. So how do you pin it on Iran? Well, we're going to find out next week when President Donald Trump has to ratify the Iranian treaty. Either he ratifies it and says Iran has been doing everything they're supposed to do, that they are not trying to pursue a nuclear weapon, that they're not trying to destroy Iran or whatever else is in this, in this treaty, or we as the United States, we break it. We turn against this. What does that do to the Middle East? What does that do for that, the climax that is building there? We know Iran has said Israel will not exist. The country of Israel will not exist in 25 years. Iran has said that. Israel said um, we have too many Iranian troops on the southern border in Syria. Uh, we are going to go into Syria and take out these Iranian troops. We just would really like the United States on our behalf. Israel has said that. We have Kurdistan, that Iran, Turkey, Iraq, Syria have all came out and said that is the new Israel, and we will not stand for it. I mean, Erdogan recently just closed down the border with Iraq, and all air traffic coming into Turkey has been shut down. They're getting ready for something huge in the Middle East. They're, they're building this drastically. And does that come to a climax next week when President Donald Trump says, you know what, I'm a man of my word. I've already told you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to ratify this agreement. I'm going to break it. Or I'm going to redo it, make peace and security. Well, <laughs> We're going to find out. But if, if Donald Trump, I mean, anything that he's actually said, you know, he's going to do, he's done. But has it been beneficial for people in the world? Has it been beneficial for people in the United States? I don't think so. I mean, you can look at the, the, the Dow. You can look at the NASDAQ. You can look at any portion of stock exchange and go, wow, you know, I'm so glad that my 401k, that I'm making money in there, it's you know, Donald Trump has made everything go up so much. It's so amazing. He's made me so much money. You can believe that facade, that illusion, that pumped up stock market. China is actually contemplating buying right now. I mean, there, there's actually a debate on allowing China to buy the New York Stock Exchange. So your pumped-up reality may not be a reality much longer if China owns it. So then you have to look at the real economy. What's going on with the real economy? Well, for the first time in seven years, the United States actually lost jobs. Like, they, they, 
you know, produce jobs every month. The job report comes out and, and people can say it's manipulated, you know, that they don't count, you know, certain jobs or they're just counting all the part-time jobs to go in it. So that way it shows it's increasing. The fact of the matter is under George Bush Jr., if you didn't, if he did not hit 250,000 new jobs a month, he was laughed at, plain and simple. The month of September, it was expected that Donald Trump would make 90,000 jobs. So Bush Jr., 250,000, he's laughed at. Donald Trump, 90,000, you're doing a good job. Instead, he lost 33,000. And, of course, they blamed it on the hurricanes and what's going on in Texas and, and Florida and what is now going to happen in New Orleans since they're being hit with a hurricane right now. They can be blamed on all that. But the fact of the matter is the expectation was super low. He, he was given a report card to expect to get a D, and he got an F. And everyone's like, well, it, you know, he should have got the D. It's still, it's still bad. It's still horrible. It's still pathetic. But if you look at the stock market, everyone's making money. Explain that. That's the devaluation of the dollar. Plain and simple. It's inflation coming back in. And inflation has been put into the stock market, it's been put in the housing market, it's been put into student loans. All of those are overpriced. All of those are drastically overvalued. And you're going to have a correction in all of those. If the business cycle has its way. If the Fed has its way, they're going to do quantitative easing to infinity. They're going to pump so much money into the stock market, pump so much money into the bubbles, auto industry, housing industry, the bond market, the student loans, all of these bubbles that they have pumped up over the last 20 years. They're either going to pump them up into infinity until they explode, or they're going to let it deflate. And what they've shown to us through the quantitative easing before this is they're going to just pump it up. Just let it keep going. Let it expand. Let it blow up. That is where we're headed. That is what we're looking into. And the rest of the world knows this. That's why Venezuela is calling to have everyone move away from the U.S. dollar and start trading oil in the ruble and the yuan, trading oil in the Russian currency and the Chinese currency versus the U.S. currency. That is what the world's talking about. That is where everyone's headed because everyone knows the end game is on play. Everyone knows that we are going to have inflation on a drastic scale in the United States. But what can we do? Well, the best thing I can say before I hand it back over to Matthew is the best thing I can say is hold on to your hat. If what happened in Las Vegas is an indication of what is ahead of us, where individuals who are not on the stereotypical class or stereotypical group are the terrorists, are the ones that are doing the worst mass shooting in the history of the United States, if that is what we are going to face, and, and I believe we are, then we got an amazing ride ahead of us, and it's going to be crazy. So all I can say is hold on to your hat. Matthew, I'll hand it back over to you, man. Thank you, Clinton. Boy, we could end the broadcast right there, couldn't we, ladies and gentlemen? Is that enough on your plate to contemplate? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, why would why would we want to oppose a UN resolution 
about the death penalty. But you know, don't you? It's kind of like that itch you get in the back of your throat when you need to cough. But it just ain't quite there yet. You know it's coming, though. You know, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's talk about this. This is the headline from two days ago. September 2017, the most active month on record in terms of Atlantic tropical cyclones. Now, please, for just a minute, try to think biblically, okay? This is one sentence… From this one article. Overall, this September was about 3.5 times more active than the average September from 1981 to 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you realize that 3.5 is obviously important. It's the only temporal succulum. That God gives you in multiple ways. He calls it 42 months. He calls it times, time, and a half time. He calls it 1,260 days. You know, let's talk a little bit about this. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to, to, to just digest this. This is uh, from Reuters two days ago. U.S. Special Forces killed, wounded in Niger ambush. And ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you, why are you authorizing special forces in Niger? What, why? Let me, let me read the article. It's very short. Sweet to the point, shall we say. Washington, an unspecified number of U.S. military commandos were killed and wounded in an ambush in Niger. Two U.S. officials told Reuters on Wednesday, speaking on conditions of anonymity. The officials declined to speculate on the number of casualties. The New York Times reported that three Army Green Berets were killed and two others wounded in an attack in the West African country. Ladies and gentlemen, really? You know, this little country, it's got it going on because of the new oil refinery that they opened. Now, it's been being exploited since the 70s. Talk about Richard Nixon. I, I don't know, just a flashback there from earlier in this broadcast. But you see, since the refinery near Zender was opened, oh my goodness, it's it's absolutely amazing. You see, because they pipe that oil straight to the refinery and out it goes. They got a perfect system going on.
That's why your special forces are there. I mean, it was released not too long ago uh, that increasing reserves, uh, they anticipate an increase in its production from uh, 20,000 to 80,000 barrels per day. Like I said, that huge pipeline goes right to their own refinery. They refine it. Out it goes. Ladies and gentlemen. This is all going to come to a head. Let, let's, let's talk about this. What business did your government have stopping a shipment that the Egyptian sovereign elected government bought and paid for North Korea? That doesn't bother you? Ladies and gentlemen, the Egyptian government, the Egyptian people, can buy weapons from whoever they want to. They are a sovereign nation. You didn't know that? That was an act of war, ladies and gentlemen. And it amazes me how you don't get it. It amazes me how – you know, I just had a conversation tonight. With an old affiliate of this broadcast, Michael Benoit, over at Bullet Points, he made a quite an interesting observation how the End Time Tribune had brought up this targeted location years ago. And he was very disturbed when he began to understand that it came out in the U.S. media, that we were supporting the Kurds. Absolutely blew him away, the ramifications of that, that we are actually assisting the Assyrian. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those, those broadcasts that he's referring to, they are available. Nobody's concentrating on that. We were both upset that with this generation, it's like they're stuck in the arts. Ladies and gentlemen, for thousands of years, everybody knew you had to play the game one of two ways. You could either produce a comedy or tragedy. And that's what we're in, ladies and gentlemen. When you cannot sit down and have an intelligent conversation with somebody about what the Bible actually says. You know, he brought up to me that he was getting frustrated with these key phrases. Because once they say that, you know they have no idea what they're talking about because the origin for that is not in the Bible. 
It's not there. Not in Hebrew, not in Greek. It's not there. It's fiction. You know, when I mention the term Shangri-La, what do all of you immediately think of? Let me guess. You immediately think that it's some earthly paradise, right? Some mythical utopia. Well, this is about what really happened two days ago. Again, I keep bringing up articles from October the 5th. Major fireball explodes over Shangri-La, China. Meteorites, very likely. You ought to watch the video. It's rather intriguing. Matter of fact, just about everything you look at in the news. Take, for example, for those of you uh, who wish to know it, I do a lot of things on uh, Twitter, and that automatically goes to the Facebook group. On the Facebook page, we do our riddles and other types of things, which – fair warning. If you follow those, you can expect some very nasty emails from – well, how do I put that? The peanut gallery. Let's put it that way. But anyway, on Twitter… I just brought up that there were three separate articles released, by the way, on October the 5th again, talking about how they moved this gigantic sphere to mark the Arctic Circle. Now, the problem was, ladies and gentlemen, that one article gave it in meters. The next article stated a different meter, and it was hard to chase down exactly how far this rock was being moved. Come to find out, the Smithsonian released an English version, and it said correctly. 48 feet, I guess, is what they move it. Now, the only problem with that, ladies and gentlemen, is when you click on their reference for where they got this information, which is Lapland by James Proctor. It comes right out and lies to you. Consider this. It states on page four that the Arctic Circle in 10 to 20,000 years' time, because of northward drift, will be roughly at 68 degrees north. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't calculate what they're trying to say because if it moves 48 feet in 10,000 years, that's over 900 miles. That's on the order of 12 degrees difference. Ladies and gentlemen, all three of these new articles and this book is obviously lying to you. And if the Arctic Circle is moving 48 feet per year, 
you need to be concerned because that's real. But they have you entertaining yourselves to death. You're entertaining yourselves to death, ladies and gentlemen. You seriously need to get back to God's word. You really do. I pulled up several of the groups that I'm a part of on Facebook, and nobody was even having an intelligent biblical conversation. They obviously had no remote clue what the Bible actually said. They were just talking about these key phrases. Catch terms. That are complete fiction. They're not in the Bible. And they never were. God is very clear. He is very explicit on what he says. Because he repeats it over and over and over. And if your entire group or forum is based off of words and phrases that are not in the Bible, God's holy word, you're not in a Christian organization. You're in the entertainment industry. You know, I also had very serious conversations today with Michael Benoit. And once I said it, he caught it. Really, that's an important word. It's G1984. It's very easy to remember. And you're going to go through it, you personally, no matter where you're at. No matter if you're an expert in comedy or tragedy. You need to seriously consider what's coming out of your mouth because this is true. I reported on it last week. I'm going to remind you of it again this week because Texas churches fight FEMA for right to disaster aid. Now let me make sure I make myself clear. I already told you that Nonprofits are already supposed to get disaster aid. It's just that by fiat, you see the the uh, non-elected officials. They don't like giving disaster aid to churches, so they refuse to. It's the law that they do, but the bureaucrats won't do it. You understand? So. October 4th, this come out, when you should already be prefaced, because I already told you about this one article before. You do remember the chainsaw welding nun, right? That's right. Well, this has already come into play. Harvest Family Church, Highway Tabernacle, Rockport First Assembly of God suffered extensive property damage from Hurricane Harvey. They sued FEMA on September the 4th, claiming its banned on aid to faith-based organization violates the 22 free exercise clause of the 22nd First Amendment. Well, duh. 
No, it's the law that they have to give those churches the aid because they're nonprofit organizations. Let me make myself clear. It's the bureaucrats in FEMA that refuse to sign the paperwork for churches. Now, all of you are probably sitting there thinking, well, I wonder how Matthew knew that was coming. Well, because I'm not very good at drama, and as a matter of fact, exclusively, am I very poor at both comedy and tragedy. Maybe that's how. I saw it coming. I don't know. One thing's for sure. That's the kinds of things you need to be concerned with. And this. Ladies and gentlemen, the number one cause of death in the country that you live, the number one cause of death of Americans by far is abortion. Mothers murdering their own babies in their womb. By far, the leading cause of death. But these two items that we just talked about, they should be getting your attention, and you should be exerting force in their direction. That means you should be doing things about those things, not anything to do with comedy or tragedy. This week, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, the premiere of our new breaks provided by Nate Drake over there at Reawaken Hymns. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how it happened. I'm looking for him because I wish to Remember being in church as a child, so I went to go look for just an old-fashioned hymn of At the Cross. I stumbled across his. It brought me to tears. I wept for about 20 minutes, listened to it. I can't remember. I kept hitting reload. If you can't tell, if you don't have the wherewithal to understand that there's a whole lot less road in front of you than there is behind you, you've entertained yourself to the point of death. And that should be considered suicide. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate will touch your heart if there still be life in it. Was it for Christ that I had 
Let me get up close and personal with you now. This has got to stop. Scoffers and mockers. Let me list this as one of, well, this is a man who does not fear God. He calls himself reverend, anyway. Eric... Breton. This was uh, released this week in the Herald Star. This is a pastor. And with the published headline, he infers, well, I fear God. So I'm not even going to read the headline. But Well, I need to read the headline. But may the Lord, my God, remember why I'm I'm reading it. I'm not saying this or supporting it at all. The headline is Disasters. Maybe it's not God who's the jerk. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad for his sake, that the host of heaven are on a leash. This idiot has no idea what he's talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, this entire article
is amazing to me that not a single conclusion he has come to should not even be discussed in public. They are so completely ignorant of any sort of biblical, factual truth. He actually wrote this. Isn't it comforting to know that God respects you so much uh, that he will destroy your home, your belongings, leave you without pets, kill your friends? Okay. You God-hating imbecile. You actually put this in print for the world to see that you are calling God a murderer, a thief. <clears throat> Isn't it comforting to know that God respects you so much that he will destroy your home, your belongings, leave you without pets, kill your friends and neighbors because you can handle it? Really? That doesn't sound a whole lot like a God of love, more like an ambush or an abusive parent. Or a spouse who declares, I love you so I hurt you. You know what? Reverend. Uh-uh-uh. You have no idea. Because you've never met someone... Who has the ability to claim the right of inheritance from the Lord Jesus Christ, do you? You have no idea, do you? You know, the Lord my God has commanded me forthrightly to be very careful to bless and not to curse. You should be afraid right now. Because I do one or the other just simply because I choose to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a reverend. This is a God-hater incarnate. Walking around with a degree that other God-haters gave to him because he paid them. Put into print... The, ladies and gentlemen, this was only two sentences. Do you realize everything that he just called the Lord your God? Getting back to my conversation today, one of the conversations I had today. Michael Benoit brought up a private Topic just for he and I because he didn't understand it. He said it wasn't too clear to him. I asked him a single question Why do you think Matthew 24 has to come true? Why do you think, what is the purpose of the four writers being present provoking the woman to flee into the wilderness? Why do American Christians think that everything concerns them and it is for their benefit? Look to the bullet points for the answer to this question. 
I'm not going to give it to you. Because none of this happened this afternoon for my benefit. I knew that way before the events ever happened. But I strongly suggest you go check that out, bullet points over on YouTube. It's information you need to know. And by the way, the Lord your God is expecting you to know it. He really is. And if you don't, you should be worried. (coughs) Excuse me. Let me ask you a question. Do you not realize that if uh, you happen to be, uh, let's say, in one of the greatest modern Sodom and or Gomorrahs in the United States, if you were attending a, I don't know, a country music concert in this city, and you happen to be randomly murdered and wound up face-to-face with the Lord your God, do you not realize he'd only have to ask you one question concerning your murder? Well, where were you at? Ladies and gentlemen, surely you got the wherewithal to know that your president has told you that we've entered into a dark period, and you probably shouldn't go to public gatherings. And by the way, while we're at it, do not be herded onto a boat, a bus, or a boxcar. Just so you know, that historically has never ended well. Brian, it is time for your news diatribe. Uh, Please do offer your comments uh, on what uh, Clinton covered or I covered. Um, I know you've been looking at different directions, and you're going to show us (laughs) – Oh, Brian, you always show us what we're supposed to be looking at. So, Brian, the saddle is yours. Well, I mean, I guess to start off, it's to a degree been almost one of those rather calm weeks, which I guess makes uh, Trump's infamous statement earlier in the week a little bit more cryptic. It would at least appear calm, but there's been a lot of things going on behind the scenes. Now, flat out, the first thing I want to address, because I found it just flat out to the stage of utter ridiculousness that the uh, first things that happened within the week, within the uh, right-aligned followers and politicians after the Las Vegas shooting is, well, uh, first off and foremost, they came out immediately and for instance, the talking points that were leaked, that were brought forward from the press, uh, uh, the person that basically delivers the statements to the press, the whole thing was uh, basically dictated towards uh, gun rights and 
not going after the Second Amendment, blah, blah, blah. And I wouldn't have given it too much of a glance if it wasn't for the fact that people locally around here all of a sudden have no reason whatsoever to even be supporting gun legislation because last I checked, they don't have any guns whatsoever and I could have sworn they were anti-gun. All of a sudden, they're all coming out pushing gun rights and the Second Amendment, making comments such as, well, fertilizer was used as a bomb and uh, box cutters were used on the 9-11 hijackings and cyanide gas was used for the execution of people in Nazi Germany. Well, folks, if you're standing up for gun rights and using all that in the same statement, what is that supposed to be saying? That catches me really uh, really off guard and rather, how would you put that? A little bit on the disrespectful side. I mean, this guy... Uh, had shot over 59 people, injured 500 in the process using what they refer to as some sort of new stock that the recoil is capable of. Basically, when it recoils, it puts pressure on the trigger. Therefore, you don't have to continue pulling the trigger. Still, there's been a lot of uh, little conspiracy threads floating around out there, um, and it was 58 people, my mistake, and 500. But nonetheless, there's conspiracy theories floating around out there again, uh, which, you know, to a degree, I kind of suspected they would flare up. And, of course, you had the infamous, well, nobody was killed, it was all state actors, blah, 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 for a false flag. But immediately, of course, all the right-wing nut jobs and, uh, you know, uh, what do we call that? Oh, propaganda wars. Yeah, that's a good name for them. Of course, they all started up on the right wing on top of it, too, saying this guy was Antifa, which is their atypical scapegoat nowadays. Anytime anything happens, and apparently if you wear a cowboy hat and show up at a country music concert, you're a right wing um, cited person, and therefore that's why they were made targets. I mean, this is how ridiculous this stuff gets nowadays, and uh, it, it just gets sickening. But I mean, the very first thing, when it, when a mass amount of people are shot somewhere, and the first thing that these politicians and these people aligned to the right wing do is immediately go ballistic about their gun rights, well... Interesting little counter to this, folks. I want you to look up an article on consortiumnews.com, and it's called How the Second Amendment Distortions Kill. And it goes into detail about what the actual Constitution says regarding the right to bear arms. And, folks, you know, it'd be interesting if we actually got some Supreme Court justices that knew something about context. Oh, yes, it changes everything. If you actually sit down and read the Constitution for what it says and about who it is that's supposed to be bearing arms, it doesn't say that the citizens can have a full military arsenal and, you know, show up at right-wing uh, Confederate-backing uh, neo-Nazi uh, 
assemblies with assault rifles, but that's legalized, of course, here in the United States for some odd reason. And, you know, making matters worse on top of it, the uh, same uh, nut jobs that flared off the Charlottesville uh, fiasco the last time around, well, they're back there again doing the same thing. It just never ends. And let's see here. There's a whole lot of other important odds and ends that happened here uh, this week. Now, Pakistan came into the news and, rather ironically enough, pointed out that the uh, Pakistani intelligence group, the ISI, has been involved with the terror groups coming through Afghanistan and other areas throughout the region. And what's rather ironic is anybody had studied the history books concerning everything that's happened since September 11th with Afghanistan, the ISI's role with Taliban and other Islamist uh, groups is rather common knowledge. So the news is sort of about 20 steps behind here. And like I said right here, once again, here's this uh, an article out of Reuters. After Las Vegas massacre, Democrats urge gun laws. Republicans remain silent. We don't need to touch on that again. Jerusalem Post earlier in the week uh, basically is stating that Russia throws North Korea a lifeline to stymie regime change and essentially is talking about varied uh, economic backing that's going on and different energy sector things, so on and so forth, which once again, you know, here in America, we have no way of proving if this is true or if this is just once again going back into the land of make-believe. Now, we had an interesting development happen with the Saudi king. Well, besides the fact that his uh, little staircase going down his airplane this week just sort of stalled and he had to walk down, but... Nonetheless, he had a great big meeting out there in Moscow, and diplomatic talks were going on between them, which is rather ironic, you know, considering the uh, differences of opinion between what's going on in Syria and, of course, Iran and the backing of Russia between both of those coalitions is not exactly something they're too keen about, but what they did finalize was Basically, a one billion uh, fund to invest in energy products. Plus, they walked away with the Russian anti-missile. Uh, what is it? The S three hundred is the same thing that Turkey just bought. And ironically enough, they were also just approved for the Thad anti-missile system. So you want to talk about throwing NATO into disarray? Now we've got multiple groups out there with the S-300 anti-missile defense system coming out of Russia. Rather odd. Everybody is jumping on board with that. And we had drills going on with Russia and Central Asia as they prepared to fend off security threats together. And to break it down, anything with a stand on the end, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, And, of course, it's going to push towards Afghanistan at some due point. Um, All these groups are gathering together to Russia to bring about security within 
these uh, regions and a possibility of them moving upon Afghanistan, possibly in the near future, trying to bring peace into that region because, well, as we can see 17 years in, America is definitely failing in that department. And, I mean, some frustrating stuff has come up over the week, too, that I've noticed within the news cycle. There's been one thing that was pointed out uh, with Afghanistan is they pointed out since Taliban went into control that the poppy and heroin um, uh, rose exponentially and basically drug trade and all that. But, folks, you need to know something. The Taliban, when they came to power, they immediately destroyed all those poppy fields. It ain't the Taliban that's pushing the heroin and the poppy. And we've talked about this time and time again in the past. Folks, you need to understand, and this is well documented back to the end of World War II, um, that throughout Europe, throughout the United States, South America, and all of that, they've used the drug trade to fund covert ops on a continual basis. And this is pretty much common knowledge. So with these false statements coming out stating the Taliban is behind the poppy plants when they boldly have stood against it because of their religious beliefs and completely destroyed those fields, something doesn't line up. Oh boy, this is a rather odd little article that came out of a Strategic Culture Foundation and... I'll just kind of read uh, maybe the headline and have people look over this. Tillerson losing control of Kushner over U.S.-Africa policy. Now, once again, we had a new travel ban go out this week, and something very odd was put on there. And it said everybody shaking their head, going, why in the world was the African nation of Chad put on there? Made no sense whatsoever. Well, by the sounds of it here, it looks like between Kushner and on top of it, an Israeli uh, person that they're both obviously multi-billion dollar people, you know, here holding control. They essentially had a lot more to do with what happened here with Chad, and it has more to do with Israeli relations than it does with the United States. So why in the world they would end up on a ban list for the United States really makes no sense whatsoever. But nonetheless, uh, like I said, Tillerson losing control to Kushner over U.S.-Africa policy. I'd advise taking a look through this article. Now, we've had, uh, see here, within the last couple of weeks, we had what sounded like uh, we were going to have a more peaceful leader within the Hamas joining up the Palestinian Authority but things have kind of flipped a little bit here. We had Hamas had elected an ex-West Bank terror commander, Salah al-Arari, as political chief's deputy. Now, further stories have come out in this last week that have once again pointed out that Hamas is going to keep a tighter connection to Hezbollah and Iran. So this concept of Hamas and the Palestinian Authority somehow peacefully coexisting, not going to work out too well. Let's see here. I already covered that. 
And this just came out within a few hours ago. Trump issues more cryptic threats to North Korea. And, and let's see here. Basically, he wrote, one, only one thing will work in dealing with nuclear armed North Korea, the president wrote in a Twitter post without clarification. Then he put, again, after this, presidents and their administration have been talking to North Korea for 25 years. Agreements made and massive amounts of money paid, he said. So he's once again, as is atypical, his diplomatic way of working through things is to use Twitter and sling insults around. We have that uh, Hurricane Nate made landfall in the Gulf Coast. Thus far, it's only a Category 1, so we'll have to just keep an eye on that and see where that heads. Let's see. Covered that one. Covered that. Now, this one is rather uh, important because we've talked about this in the past. There were moves by this group already. And it sounds like there's diplomats here in America that are pushing the same thing. Newsweek released an article entitled, Tom Ridge, We Need Regime Change in Iran. And once again, who did they bring up? The NCRI, the National Council of Resistance in Iran, which is also known as the MEK. And it's a group that's actually in Iraq that is listed as a terror organization, and they've been giving the United States the infamous intel on the uh, Iranian nuclear program and pushing for them to be basically handed the reins of Iran with with regime change, which they've been pushing for for years on end. And when the last election took place, the main woman that was at the head of it, her... Posters were showing up everywhere, and this group is pushing even harder for regime change there. And with the way people are speculating right now on what's going to be stated with Trump next week with breaking the Iranian deal, this might be what they've got on the plate. And once again, now we're going back to, like I said, you need to know your facts, folks, when you read some of these articles, because they'll pull your leg real quick. This is right from the National Council of Resistance of Iran. Now, there was one news report that was in a breaking report that came out earlier in the week that stated the U.S. did label the uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps a terrorist entity, well, I checked on that, and thus far there hasn't been anything released on that as of yet, but of course we've got over here on the National Council of Resistance of Iran, the U.S. needs to view the IRGC as a terrorist enemy. But here in the first paragraph is what really got under my skin. And right here, of course, here's where it came from, the U.S. representative of the Office of National Council of Resistance of Iran published a short and extremely informative video which shows how Iranian regime has been training terrorists in Iran and dispatching them across the globe and is doing it to date. Now, here's the last sentence. Iran has caused the rise of ISIS. Really? 
Next part, and remains the single most active state sponsor of terrorism in the world. Good grief, folks. You need to really pay attention to these news articles. And on top of it, if you don't know anything about these areas, they're going to completely pull the wool over your eyes. And it's just getting worse and worse by the day. Now, here's the one that caught me this morning that was released. And this is something I've been wondering about is how in the world are we going to see something happening with oil here again? Here we sit. Trump's big decision on Iran next week could rattle the oil markets. And this is from CNBC.com. I'll read some of this article here. If the White House decertifies the Iran deal, RBC Capital Markets is warning investors that oil prices could jump. Halima Croft, the firm's global head of commodity strategy, is watching next Thursday, October 12th, very carefully. That's the day when... President Donald Trump is expected to deliver a key speech on Iran policy. There's speculation that Trump will move to unravel the international deal signed under President Barack Obama that curbs Iran's nuclear program. <coughs> Excuse me. It is a very significant development that could happen next week, Croft said on CNBC Trading Nation this week. An official told Reuters this week, speaking on the condition of anonymity, that Trump is also expected to introduce a broader U.S. strategy that would be more confrontational with Iran. The market, I think, will be concerned that we can get a return of the sanctions that required importing countries to make significant reductions in their Iranian crude imports every six months and which bars foreign firms from investing in the Iranian upstream sector, noted Croft. A national Iran oil company official told CNBC on September 25th that it's exporting about 2.2 million barrels a day a year after UN economic sanctions were lifted last year. Fresh sanctions could put demand in a delicate situation. Now, I think I can stop here because, now look, if we consider what's going on with Venezuela, for instance. Now, most of the Gulf oil uh, processing plants had set up so that they could basically refine the different type of oil that comes out of Venezuela. Some of that was damaged with the hurricanes. I don't remember exact numbers. But nonetheless, between that and what's happening in Venezuela with the sanctions, which they've already bypassed by going to who? Going to China and Russia, completely bypassing the sanctions America has put on them. Nonetheless, that's already putting a problematic area on oil within America. Now, take further. The areas that are held by the Kurdish people in Iraq are the highest producing oil regions there as well continued controversy in that area, if that explodes because of this independence referendum, this could jack the oil prices up in tandem with what's happening with Iran and Venezuela at the same time. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on and something I warned about some time ago. One last thing to mention, too, is there's been Speculation from watching movements on the ground in North Korea via satellite and intelligence agencies 
that they are also about to test an ICBM that is capable of hitting America. So I don't know. They tend to do this on Saturday. I'd almost be surprised if we didn't see something pop up here within the next hour or so. It seems a continual thing they do is pop it off on Saturday and it hits the news right as we're getting ready to go off air. So I guess for the time, that's what I've got to state. So I'll hand it back over to you guys here. Well, I think we need to uh, just start a discussion a little bit. Uh, Clinton, do you have any comments about what uh, I or Brian had to say? Uh, we got plenty we can discuss uh, in our final minutes, but uh, do you have anything you want to discuss, even questions or comments to me and Brian? Uh, let's just start a little discussion here. Uh, Clinton, you go first. Yeah, I, I wanted to comment on uh, what Brian said about the oil, because um, this is going to be really interesting how it all lays out, because we know – you know, from the oil booms that happened in North Dakota and then happened in Texas and numerous other places in the United States, it, it generated a lot of money for a lot of people that helped the economy in so many ways. I mean, you know, I myself move up to North Dakota because of the oil country up there. So, so you know, that helped a lot of different things. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, the global dynamic, you know, because we know Venezuela basically is – getting ready for war with the United States. We know Iran is getting ready for war with the United States. How is that going to impact the oil across the globe? Now, the big question mark is the refineries. Like, I know Saudi Arabia just this last year purchased the largest refinery in the United States, in Texas. But that's where the hurricane just recently hit. I believe it was Harvey hit. So, I know that was shut down. I'm, I'm not sure if it's up and running again, but you can produce as much oil as you want, but if you can't refine it, then it's not going to be good to anyone. And, and I think that's kind of what's going to dictate a lot of this. Um, so I just wanted to comment that. Just like I mentioned earlier about why our special forces are there in Niger. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, figure it out. I mean, it's kind of strange that Nixon's been coming up in this broadcast where you're talking about the removal of one standard of currency and the implementation of the petrodollar. And we all need to uh, be concerned about that because that's live, local, and late-breaking because, uh, well, I posted on my Twitter uh, that… Well, once again, it was in the news this week about uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, Russia getting together. Okay, so, um, ladies and gentlemen, we <laughs> of course all the decisions have already been made. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you know… The first visit by the Saudi king to Russia, that happened this week. And 
Ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows it but you, I guess. I mean, this was also released this week that Israel sets up a high-tech accelerator program in China. Well, why? Why? Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Israel has a hint, so therefore they don't need a clue. They know where this is going. The end of the petrodollar is the, well, removal of one thing off a pedestal and the implementation of something else altogether different on that pedestal. Everybody seems to know it. Like I said, nobody. Why is no? Why are none of these supposed watchmen talking about the brand spanking new U.S. military base in Israel? What's that? A last ditch effort? I mean, we were lucky enough to be told about the special forces that happened to be ambushed. By the way, don't you realize that uh, someone had to have told them of their location? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, how is it that the Americans don't know where our special forces are at? I mean, you realize that Clinton, Bryan, and I could not set up an ambush for American special forces. We have no idea where they're at. Yet that information was passed along by somebody the who, what, where, when, why setting up our special forces so that they could be ambushed and murdered. If that doesn't worry you, I don't know what to tell you. Clinton, you spend a vast majority of your time, and your forte is economics, correct? Can you please tell me, what will it actually mean if on a global scale the petrodollar is abandoned? What happens to the American economy? Can you explain that to not only the listeners, but to me personally? Yeah. Um, So it's going to happen in stages. Um, The first stage is all the U.S. dollars that are around the globe are going to come back to the United States. The main reason for it is these countries are going to choose the other currency. So the only place that you can use it is in the United States. So all this money is going to flood back the United States. It's going to be primarily put in the economy, which means that you have more dollars out there, which means the value of the dollar goes down, which contributes to hyperinflation. And then it just goes to what recently happened in Venezuela. Um, that's happened in Zimbabwe in 2008, uh, which is the currency then just kind of goes to zero. Um, in Zimbabwe, there was an actually $1 trillion bill. 
like a, one piece of paper that said $1 trillion on it um, because the, the paper, the currency was worth nothing. The, if the entire world stops using the petrodollar, which right now you have to buy oil with the U.S. dollar, countries right now are using the yen, the uh, yuan, using the Iranian currency, using the ruble um, instead of the U.S. dollar. If that trend continues, people have to use the dollar, which means that it's going to be, in an essence, worthless. Okay, answer me this question. <clears throat> what if it's refined? This is a key critical question that I never hear any of these watchmen talk about. And it amazes me how they never give, you know, never shed light on this. So let's talk about Niger, okay? So what comes out of that refinery, which could be, um, I take it, it could be kerosene, it could be gasoline, it could be diesel, it could be jet fuel. That's the purpose of of a refinery is to refine it down to the different grades that you want it. Do you have to purchase that in petrodollars? That's a good question. Um, that could change, and it could change depending on how corporate laws change. So, for instance, like if the right now the United States sold their largest refinery to Saudi Arabia, as since it's a Saudi Arabia company, they own it. Yes, it's on U.S. soil, but it depends on if the corporate laws change. If the corporate laws base it to where you can you have to buy in that currency, which if there is an issue with the US dollar and may come to that, then you would be you would have to buy with whatever the Saudi currency is, even though it's US oil basically. So it depends on how the corporate laws are. Right now you from my understanding is that you have to buy like the barrels coming out of the ground with the US dollar before it's refined. I see. Next question. You yourself stated that the current POTUS would just changed – I mean not exclusively himself, but our elected uh, government at large – changed the laws to bring back all these U.S. dollars. Is that correct? They're working on it. You just stated that this is point one of what would happen. So you're saying that our present government is working toward this exact thing. They're actually working to implement. Is is that what I'm hearing from you, Clinton? Well, it's it's not it's not like they have a choice. Um, it's a mathematic inevitability. It's going to happen, and and the whole world knows this. Why? That's why they're making all the moves that they're making on an economic scale. That's why they're mo- moving all the business to China. That's why China and Russia are, st- uh, are stocking up on gold because it's a mathematic certainty. Um, so what they need to do is they need to use the the dollar as much as they can to buy real assets or to build infrastructure or whatever it may be before. It, before it no longer is around. Now, typically what happens is they restructure it, like you mentioned earlier. And for instance, like, you know, it may take $5,000 to exchange for one of the new currency, um, just to give an example. But there would be an amount that you would exchange for one of the new currency, whatever that new currency is. 
Okay, so explain it to me. Um, let's say for sake of argument, I have $20 in my bank account. Today, a loaf of bread is one price. So when I switch this over, would the price of my bread go up or go down? Well, you can use uh, Venezuela as an example for this. And, and this is the beginnings of inflation, the beginnings of hyperinflation. The, the $20 loaf of bread today, tomorrow, will cost you 22 bucks. Uh, so Venezuela had the issue that they needed to spend their paycheck today because tomorrow they wouldn't be able to get as much stuff for it. Okay. So what you're saying is, is that if this happens – Tomorrow, my $20 won't be enough dollars to buy that loaf of bread. Correct. So even if I have a million dollars in the bank today, tomorrow that loaf of bread may, might be to the price where that million dollars is not actually worth what I thought it was no matter what the sum of that account was. Now, Brian, isn't that exactly what the Bible describes as happening? Or am I wrong? Well, precisely, and as Clinton was explaining that, I was thinking, okay, if we look going from 1899, plow forward to between 1899, go to 1909. Move forward, 1919, hit ahead, 1929, boom, stock market collapse. What happened in Germany? Everything zeroed out there. Then what happened 10 years later, 1939, World War II? In that first 40-year segment, literally we have the roadmap drawn out for us of what to expect as we're heading towards this. Now, what have we seen as of recently, especially in the United States, but it's flared up all throughout the European nations as well, nationalism. Run rampant across the board. And what are they calling everybody on the left? Well, they're calling them socialists or commies. Got that same flare up. So on top of it, in the short scale, something like the petrodollar collapsing or even on top of it with the oil prices escalating because of, say, throwing Iran into the mix, something happens in Iraq again because of the Kurdistan referendum, we bring in Venezuela, but then on top of it, we've got China and Russia moving everybody back towards the gold standard, but the problem is, is if you looked into this, there's not enough gold to keep the economy of the world sustained. So this altogether causes a large problem. But if we watch that same roadmap, we could be looking at these very same factors on a very short scale leading us in the direction of where everything started at that 1899 timeline. So I guess time's going to tell what will happen. We'll have to see. Uh, Brian, can you ask me a, a, a Can you answer me a very simple question? Well, the listeners, a very simple question. Um, Genetically speaking, when you're talking about these people that this happened to, 
what are the Germans in Bible prophecy? Well, that's Gomer. I see. And uh, riddle me Gomer. Is is Gomer used a lot in Bible prophecy as an as a call sign as to who we should watch? Because you just said that history painted a perfect roadmap for us of where we're going if this happens, and you talk about Germany. So logic dictates that if what you're saying be true, Gomer would be in Bible prophecy more than once. Is that the case? Well, Ezekiel 38, 39 are the big, big, big ones to look at. And folks, you need to understand that the Germanic people are not just in Germany. They're in Germany, France, England, America. Makes up a vast majority of the population in multiple areas. And yeah, I've been looking into more stuff in the background and kind of stayed silent about it on air with this uh, running Nazi connection still being in existence. And it gets ugly, folks. Well, so you, you Gomer just stated. is a major player. Yeah. So you just stated that the facts are out on the table, and all the players at this table knows that there's not enough ounces of gold on the planet to run the system. Now, based on what you've already said, that God provided the technical data for the woman so that she could become the bride… By keeping her eyes on this Gomer that's repeated in Bible prophecy. If that be the case, chilling sound to hear the verses in the Bible talk about when a time when, very strange time when people would throw their silver and their gold into the streets. Would you agree, Brian? Yep. And I wonder if it bothers any of our listeners that what Clinton and Brian just described is exactly what is already in the Bible, God's Holy Word, to a T. Now, most people, uh, when you talk about Gomer in the Bible… Um, they obviously have no desire to check the genetic data and the historical documentation. That clearly states that, by the way, if you're talking about the Germanic peoples, you're talking about Gomer. And, by the way, don't you realize what just came out of Clinton's mouth just moments ago… Because that wasn't rehearsed, he said this. He said that – let me make sure I remind you. It's presently happening in Venezuela, and Brian already said this happened in Germany back in 1929, he said, that when this event horizon happens… 
you're going to have to spend your money today because tomorrow it's not going to be worth enough value. Now, don't you realize that situation that both of these brothers of mine have described is completely detailed in the Bible with just one simple phrase. That a day's wages would cost you a, lo a loaf of bread. But they didn't use the Bible in describing it. Brian used a road map from the past. Clinton used a road map from the present. And guess where that means you're going? And guess what God already told you was going to be your location? Now, I'm sorry that's the case, but this was unscripted. I just quite simply asked Clinton some questions, and I asked Brian some questions, and that was the logical, deductive conclusion that one, anyone, must come to. So, now we're able to understand, now that... Well, some questions are unanswered here, aren't they? It's only the barrel of oil which must be purchased with the petrodollar. Not the refined substance, ladies and gentlemen. Why do you think your special forces was getting ready to hit Niger and hit them hard? Oh, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> The special forces do not go into foreign countries where it's illegal for them to be because they want to go play, I don't know, bingo or bridge. They don't go to play Parcheesi, ladies and gentlemen. Those special forces only show up illegally, unconstitutionally, for one reason. Now, just so you all understand why Brian talked about the gun rights and the rise of the right, just so you know, <clears throat> God having a 100% track record, because, by the way, he's the one that designed the track, because he has a 100% track record, he's already told this woman That if she lives by the sword, she will die by that sword. And if she leads into captivity, into captivity she will go. Just so you know. So with that in mind, if you claim to be the woman, you need to realize that, well, God has a 100%. He already knew what to tell you thousands of years in advance. Exactly what was going to happen and who it was going to happen with. So try to pull yourself from the entertainment industry, ladies and gentlemen. Let me ask you a question. I asked the same question to Michael Benoit tonight. 
Riddle me this. Why must a woman endure the riders? Why, ladies and gentlemen? Why? It happened before. It is an isochronal event. No, the woman shouldn't be caught by surprise, but she should know and understand. It's really what comes naturally. It's what happened before, and it's going to happen again, just so you know. There is going to come a time when this happens... It's just like Clinton said, that's actually happening right now in live time. As soon as you get your paycheck, you're going to run to the store and spin it, because tomorrow it's not going to be able to buy as many slices of bread. You know, as far as documentation of what Brian was talking about, about this, this, this timeline, you can actually go get pictures of the Germanic peoples running down the street with wheelbarrows full of their dollars. And right now, you can go on vacation at this very location and walk into some of those old apartment buildings, and guess what's on the wall? It's not wallpaper, ladies and gentlemen. It's those dollars. You know, I wonder how many Christians are in Venezuela. I wonder if we could get that technical data. I wonder what percentage of the population are Christian in Venezuela. Uh, Clinton, would you happen to know a rough estimate of how many people in Venezuela are Christians? Would, would you have any knowledge about that? No, I would not, unfortunately. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's something you probably should look into. Because then all the things that you're running around and saying, it's going to make it null and void. Now, isn't it? Your closing thoughts and comments, Clinton, please. You know, everyone, it's a uh, it's a pleasure always to uh, be talking with you guys, and and uh, thank you everyone for your support. Um, you know, please, we didn't get a chance to even talk about Kylie Spain, um, but watch for Monday or Tuesday when they declare independence and see how the country of Spain reacts, um, and hopefully things don't get too crazy uh, to where I mean, whatever may happen. Um, but again, thank you everyone for your support and thank you so much. Uh, you can find me, uh, at clintoncowatch.com or on Twitter. Uh, just type in Clinton Co-Watch. My last name is K-O-W-A-C-H. And, uh, like always, all the articles that we talk about on the show, it will be on my Twitter. Thank you. All right, Brian, your, uh, closing comments and thoughts. And, uh, don't forget, Brian, uh, your websites, please. Yep. Well, I would keep an eye on definitely what's going on in Catalonia with the independence referendum. It's already been declared at a 90% uh, 
uh, right by the people there. So at least the people are pushing for it. Now, if they actually declare, which is the big one between Catalonia, we have Kurdistan, and we've had two other places flare up that are also trying to declare independence as well within Africa. So a lot to keep an eye on in that direction. Also this week with the Iranian uh, missile program up for it's uh, Trump's infamous statement. That's is something major to keep an eye on and could be a mega flashpoint. So we're just going to have to see where that heads. So uh, you can contact me at either Overt Attention Show on Twitter. Uh, OvertAttentionShow.com is my website. And if you need to get a hold of me, any questions, bandsoftime at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us and God bless. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as for me, my name is Matthew Miller, and I love the God with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my strength, all of my mind, all of my spirit, all of my stature, all of my IQ. If you want me, you can find me. I'm sure that the Holy Spirit will guide you to get in touch with me if you need it. Today I had long discussions with people in the United States, people in Great Britain, people in New Zealand, people in the Virgin Islands, and a very broken conversation with somebody in Spain. And they got exactly what they needed because that is what God had prepared me for. If you want to get on some of that information, uh, just go look up on Facebook, uh, the End Time Tribune uh, pay or group. In that group is where we get into biblicating the bride. Now, you don't have to join the group or whatever; it's it's public, so that you can get on there. You can watch. You can listen. You can learn, which leads to edification, because there we don't talk about my opinions because they don't matter. We talk about what the Bible, God's holy word, actually says. You will not be entertained there in the slightest. Ladies and gentlemen, the only thing I can say to you is seek the Lord thy God. Seek him. And on your visitation, you'll be prepared. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matthew Miller. God bless. Godspeed. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.